0: A Highline Podcast.
1: Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some
0: people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith. And for other people, it's been
1: liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Steven. I'm Josh.
2: And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been and will always be an exploratory dialogue.
0: That alone is proof that faith-raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time.
1: So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening.
2: Hello. Hola. Konnichiwa. How are you?
1: I'm doing great.
2: Wonderful.
1: Apologies if I sound a little throaty. I was telling Emily that I was around some dogs the other day and I feel like my my allergies have lingered in a very strange way. That so you're just mm-hmm. barking at them as much as they were barking at you Yes exactly yeah so I'm like, my throat is shot Yeah just Ugh. screaming at dogs I actually love <laughs> barking back at dogs I really love it It really puts <laughs> them off they're, they're like what is what is happening
2: <laughs> Why am I not surprised that Josh likes to bark at dogs Josh would
1: <laughs> I take that as a compliment thank you
2: You're welcome um, So Josh uh, take it easy You know, Chime in when you want don't bark at us But I do want to know first off What are your beverages today
1: well, since I am feeling a little throaty, I did make myself some tea, kava tea. It's delicious, especially on the holidays. It's by Yogi. We're not sponsored, and I love them. It's so good. And then I made myself a little gin cocktail with some lime juice and some blackberry Izzy. I don't have any cranberry yet. I really need to get a hold of some cranberry stuff, like for a holiday cocktail. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty close. It tastes pretty good. Nice. Yeah,
2: solid. What about you, Steven?
1: I am enjoying a
0: cup of coffee. Today I have a splash of the uh the Starbucks pumpkin spice creamer in it and solid. Uh just like my soup, I prefer my coffee in the only way of righteousness, and that is uh hot. So I have it in my ember mug, which keeps it hot. Well, it's very nice. <laughs>
2: Uh, i am ringing in the holiday season with the classic sprite winter spiced cranberry so good oh yeah so good wonderful delightful did
0: you guys last year do my thing where i steep tea in sprite for thanksgiving no i'm gonna do it this year
1: pretty good i did do it it was wonderful pretty good big fan yeah what was the tea
0: honestly you could just get like a celestial seasonings like mixed berry okay like honestly whatever it, it's really good with a peach tea if you can find it oh, like steep, oh steep. okay you, you put like four or five tea bags in a two liter bottle of sprite stick that in the fridge for a full like 24 hours okay and then it takes a long time to open because there's a lot of pressure in there at that point mm-hmm. but once you do my goodness it's a delightful oh. holiday bev
2: Well, I'm gonna have to try it. I am willing to try anything at least once, except drugs.
0: Um, Not even once, (laughs) Pastor. Not even
2: once. Not even once. That's right. Um, So it is my topic today. None of you know that which I'm going to bring to the table. I do not. I
1: actually have no idea. No clue.
2: I'm gonna ask a question, and that is what is our topic for the day. Is this question, and whatever comes from it is totally fine. Um,
1: Pen and paper ready.
2: the pen and paper are you ready yep how is it with your soul
1: oh all right little heart check episode
2: Ooh,
1: well, you know me i'm
2: a sucker for feelings
1: that depends on
0: who you would define soul and if those even exist
2: okay we see, could start there we, we oh, i like that actually we could go down that rabbit hole i'm totally fine with that so
1: wherever the spirit leads we, wow okay gut response i don't Think that a soul exists as? Oh my gosh! Even just saying that, I have to like define so many things. Oh or, my gosh! Okay, within hold on. Seven minutes of the episode, <laughs> and we've already found the teaser. <laughs> um, I I don't think it's reasonable without evidence to think that there exists anything else besides our consciousness uh-huh. and our bodies. Mm. I think that's the best way I can say that. Take that as you will. But I feel like that the spirit of Emily's question is like more about like our well-being. So for that part of the answer, I will say, I think that I am doing well. I have been thinking more recently about like some of the more like soulful things, but I think that I'm doing well. Mm -hmm. So that's my gut reaction. Stephen. I like it. Things are, um, it is well with my soul.
0: You know the song, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I did that on purpose. No, it's good. I, I feel like I'm in a season of like, oh, gosh, there's the Christianese. A season of life. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> there is, There are good things happening, but not without challenge, if that makes sense. Mm. It feels very effortful and satisfying. And also, to answer Josh's first question, point i think souls exist and we could talk about oh that interesting
1: too. yeah <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> oh. emily though can we turn the question back on you how is it with your soul
2: well so i first want to say that that question goes far beyond this idea of how are you when i hear that question like a check-in it's it's a deeper check-in though it's more like a it's more like a, when you go to take your car in, yeah, you know, instead of just checking the boxes, it's really like diving deep into analyzing how you're doing. So I see that question as being more than just a commitment or a standard practice of asking, how are you? I think it's really turning the question over onto the individual who's answering to see if the person who asked is willing to listen because if someone were to ask me, how is it with your soul, they better be prepared to sit down and listen. Because if I have something to share that's either weighing on my heart or very exciting, that's more than just a standard, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Oh, that's good. Okay, bye. (laughs) So I would say, how is it with my soul? It's very good. It is very good. It's busy, but such as the season for a pastor, but there has been a lot of weight lifted off my shoulder uh, with people taking on roles and commitments being filled by people as we prepare for the new uh, church year with our charge conference. So things are well. Hmm. Thank you for asking.
1: I do really like the way you summed that up. Like, I think that's exactly what I'm trying to get at with like, I have been thinking more about like the soulful deeper things lately. Cause I totally agree with you that the question is, Trying to go beyond the just how are you? How's it going? Right. Like kind of shallow ask. Yeah. I I totally agree with the the way you were putting that. Do you know where that question came from? Other than the song? John Wesley, actually. Really? I'm not surprised now. Yeah. Interesting. He would start his
2: meetings by asking the individuals in the group, how is it with your soul? And he was doing that as basically a... How do I want to phrase it? I think he was doing more than just a, like, how are you doing type thing? Kind of like what I was explaining. I think he was trying to get the point across that anything that you are carrying in this life, in this world, to not carry it alone. And so I think by asking such an intimate question as that, it's allowing the person to feel welcomed and in a good way, vulnerable in this loving space that he was inviting people to be a part of. And so I think that question of how is it with your soul is asking people to be vulnerable and to share, but to really feel okay diving deep into your faith and to dive deep into whatever you're questioning or maybe even concerned with. And I think the reason that the question, how is it with your soul, sometimes doesn't always go the way people think it should is because of the idea of the soul i think that's where people get hung up is do people have a soul what is the purpose of a soul um why should we care about how my soul is doing type thing um do we separate it from our mental well-being or our physical well-being it's really woven together and i i commend wesley <laughs>
1: for even asking the question to begin with so where do we go from here what well, is my I, question i would like to point out that i think it's a very therapeutic therapeutically minded question. And I think it's a great example of how theology has propagated basically like a pre form of psychology. Like I think that it's a very, uh. a question like mm. that is a very like all encompassing question, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I think in the history of the psyche, I think that theology does have a rich tradition of viewing the entirety of a human being. And that that is something that I really do appreciate about like the soul spirit, kind of language even though i don't um, believe that there is a basis for that as a uh oh my god see here i go again i'm like trying to get like it. get it well this is <laughs> exactly where we're exactly define what i don't believe in take us when there. like it's hard to articulate what you don't believe in because you don't believe in it <laughs> yeah what what is it 27 grams
0: the human soul weighs oh shut up <laughs> i don't think i'm making that up people have I, uh thought they did they were doing like research oh, I like know. at the moment yeah. of someone dying they' their their I just like how Josh changed. told you to sh-
2: I just like no, how I Josh know. told you to shut up.
1: No I know <laughs> uh yeah. But but like I can't appreciate the language, I guess. Like Tw- uh,
0: twenty one. Sorry. I, I'm fact checking oh. myself. As if I could fact check that twenty yeah, one grams because yeah, one
1: gram is too much. I was off by six. Oops. Okay, you (laughs) two.
2: I will say, so going back to John Wesley, because I think this does tie into um, whether or not people have souls. He would start out the question, and actually the question was, is your soul prospering? Is really like how the question is framed. Huh. And I think that right there just insinuates that there is a soul. Now, whether or not that's true you have to argue that with wesley
0: wait sorry the question as to whether your soul is prospering indicates that a soul is there to prosper
2: yeah why else would you ask is your soul prospering if there isn't a soul
1: well see i don't know i feel like i can interpret the question as like how how is your entire being like over time in this moment like i think when i think of people who are like soul searching or that would maybe be defined as like very soulful individuals, like like an artist or a creative or um, someone who just like seems like they're quote unquote, living their best life, like exactly how it should be for them. I think of like the person as a whole human being, like up to this moment, and I feel like I can interpret it that way, and I think that's fine. So but why can't that be the soul? Because I don't, I don't think that the soul is like an undivisible thing.
2: No, it's an all-encompassing thing. You just like summed it up. So a soul does exist Mm. like who you're made up, like how you are, how you are created and everything that makes you, you, why can't that be called the soul?
0: I think I appreciate what you're doing, Emily. For some reason, I am having trouble with like, like making the logic pieces fit though. It sounds like you're saying because we're talking about it this way, that
1: implies that it exists. And? <laughs> I don't know. I'm struggling with it. I think... I think maybe the break in logic is like, it's very similar to Descartes saying, I think, therefore I am. Like, it's a very, like, self-defining oh, thing, I think. Sure. I think that's what well, she's getting at.
0: So, Josh doesn't believe it's there, but maybe maybe our struggle here is we're asking Josh, the non-believer, to apathetically describe what the soul is if it did exist. <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> sure so how do you how do you frame soul emily like like the characteristics my immediate my mind immediately goes to things like in deuteronomy like love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind so that seems to imply that there's something else other than mind but then again they weren't thinking of mind as we think of as mind i suppose right
2: I, I would say it's this, it's this aspect or essence of a human being that emulates all of the human being. It's the thing that can contain that which makes us us, but it's separate from like our physical being,
0: just the body or the mind that arises from the brain and all that.
2: Cause I I mean if if we were to if we die and our bodies physically, anatomically, fade into the earth, I don't believe our souls go with our body.
0: Wow. So we've had a complete reversal in one year with you being somewhere with an afterlife with the soul.
2: I don't know where the soul goes.
0: Oh, okay. Fair enough. But it continues to exist. But maybe.
2: it continues to exist.
1: Mm-hmm. Where do you think I don't I don't mean to come off like uh defensively. But where do you think you first came to that idea?
2: On honestly, I think when my guinea pig sugar died. It was my okay. first it was my first encounter with death. R.I.P. Um and it was one that showed us at the end of the day our bodies whether it be that of a guinea pig or a human and everything else on earth when it dies Though the body decays, and we know that there will be, you know, skeletal remains, that my wonderful, squeaky little guinea pig that I know to be sugar was not going to just remain in the ground. That, like, there was something about her that was going to continue and to prosper and to live on. Now, whether that was through my memories or whatever, I couldn't quite like develop that as a child. But I think this idea of, like, Oh her like her soul lives on like she is still with us. I believe that to be more than just living on in our memories. I was grappling with the idea of maybe it is possible that like she is still with us. Like there is a part of her that remains in the cosmos that in maybe some ways can be seen or felt or heard but not in a way that I would maybe anticipate in physical form and i i think that was me wrestling with what the soul was
1: i think when people talk about soul it's often very wrapped up in like a combination of personality traits social behavior and maybe like a form of like knowledge or intuition or something because you, like you know like how some people are like way handier than others mm-hmm. right and then like that characteristic feels like it's a part of them, but that's not necessarily like personality or raw knowledge per se. But I I think that like when I when I hear people talk about soul or like the characteristics of like someone's spirit, I think that it's often like talked about in those terms, which for me feel very like psychosocial, even though I can like I can acknowledge that there's some like emergent properties within there. Like maybe like the handiness of someone. And certainly I do think that those things live on like through other people, like because of like the social nature. Hmm. I think it's hard for me to pin down any, like, I don't know, what what would you say is like the, for you, what would you say is the biggest difference between soul and consciousness? Because I think that whenever I've heard Christians talk about consciousness and soul, it it feels like soul and consciousness are synonymous, as in like, in heaven you will go there and you won't have your body, but it will be you. And like, to me that feels like they're equivocating soul and consciousness. So like, do you feel like either of you feel any distinction there? I, cause like, if you don't, I guess I do believe in the soul. Cause like consciousness is obviously a thing.
0: Sure. I don't know how to f- like put it within the framework of your question yet, but I've come to think of soul in kind of a way like emily speaks about it like it's the all-encompassing thing that makes you you so i am informing that opinion around the hebrew word used in genesis uh for breath which is ruach and i think like when genesis speaks of god breathing in the breath of life into adam's nostrils that's ruach and Emily can fact check me that if, if I'm wrong.
2: Yes, that is correct.
0: Um, but to me, I think that is something of the, like, I guess I'm going to invoke the Imago Dei as well when it comes to like the image of God being part of the soulishness of us is that it's all of us. So I think that the breath of us, the consciousness of us, our bodies even, right? So like, you know, I think you guys know, like I'm, I'm fully on board actually for like the idea of like the resurrection of the dead, like, and whatever that means for like being embodied, right? Like, however that looks that like, I think our soul is part of the body is part of the mind and consciousness and spirit and breath and all that. Like it's, it's pretty inextricable in my opinion. Like, I don't think it's not a very Platonistic view of, is it the Platonists? maybe the Gnostics too of like there is the soul and that is the pure thing that we need to strive to make better, but the body is just worthless and bad and we should like divorce ourselves from our bodies completely. Like I don't think that was ever part of Hebrew spirituality and I don't think it, that opinion should be part of ours either. Like I think it's all together. Um, So back to your question, Josh, I do, I guess I would say, to answer your question, simply like when you say, I guess I believe in a soul, if that means it's something about consciousness. Yeah. I think that's not far off.
1: I also think of the phrase of like people putting their heart and soul into something. And I think that, I think that the term soul is often associated with like someone's behavior matching what they believe. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. like if, if you believe something is like actually important, yeah. like you will throw yourself into it huh. or like the, like your, your actions should match your, what you say are your motivations. And that indicates that like your soul is in it. Fascinating. I hadn't put it together that way, but I really like that.
2: I do too. I think it's hard because we're trying to put like a tangible essence on something that is intangible.
1: Hmm. Well, totally. maybe to get us out oh. of the abstract a little bit. Um, I wouldn't mind pressing into Emily's question a bit more like personally, like how are our yeah. souls? Really? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You just reminded me of a quote and I memorize it because it was such a banger quote. Oh, go for it
0: because in in the arena of talking about soulishness first of all i would be remiss if i didn't plug my friend alex's podcast the into podcast where they did a whole episode about this Mm. um something robots and a teacup full of brains uh but basically it's like they do a ship of theseus experiment on a human being and at each step they try to determine like is that is kevin still kevin at that point it's very fascinating so Josh, just like you said, in the, in the nature of this conversation, it gets very abstract and very like, what are we even talking about here? (laughs) Um, especially when you can break it down to, like, I think it's a combination of, we call someone's soul, like their personality traits and their social behavior and all those kind of things. And, uh, that reminded me of this C.S. Lewis quote from the abolition of man. And he said, perhaps in the nature of things, analytical understanding must always be a basilisk, which kills what it sees and only sees by killing.
1: Can you say that again? (laughs) It's
0: so good, isn't it? Wow. Perhaps in the nature of things, analytical understanding must always be a basilisk, which kills what it sees and only
1: sees by killing. That is a banger. I feel like that could be picked apart for a while. That is a banger. Um. And what I love
0: about it, what I love about it, especially around the conversation of the soul is like the more you try to touch, uh, like come up against this, like very mystical idea, the harder it is to see it as like a living thing, I guess. Like the more analytical we try to be about it, the more we're trying to parse definitions
1: and all that. It's kind of like missing the forest for the trees, Mm. you know? Yeah. I do think the conversation is as relevant as ever, especially with the, I'm definitely not an expert, but like, especially with like the development of artificial intelligence and robot technology, like the, the classic sci-fi question of like, will robots develop souls or like even animal consciousness, let alone like human super consciousness. Like, I I think it's really interesting to like speculate about and like scientifically study what limited things we can about it.
0: Or, or honestly, even something like the metaverse, like, There's something soulish about us sitting in a room together. But if we gathered ourselves in a metaverse room together with our avatars, we don't encounter each other as like ensouled beings, at least in that visual type of way. Like there's something about it that Mm. feels off. And maybe that's just Uncanny Valley, but I think there's something there too.
1: No, I think you're right. I think that there's something very like physical about a soul. And I would come back to.
0: I think that's breathing. Sure. Yeah.
1: I think seeing other people breathe
0: makes us feel much more comfortable. But like your your metaverse avatar does not breathe. <laughs> we just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people
1: asking questions about theology.
2: If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We wanna be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between.
1: And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, Don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency.
2: For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you.
0: Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color.
1: Ravel is a founding podcast of the Highline Media Network. And here's a word from one of our sister shows, The Whiskey Bench. Welcome to The
0: Whiskey Bench, where we pair cocktails with conversation.
1: Whether we're diving deep into a meaty subject like the history of fascism, or why monetary policy drives inflation, or just bringing you the highlights of a crazy news week. We aim to look past the simple answers and discuss the complexity of our wild world.
0: So pull up a chair, pour yourself a drink, and join us on the Whiskey bench.
1: Listen, we know every church nowadays has its own espresso bar. But that didn't stop us. We've partnered with Good Food Award winner Revel Coffee to present a custom Highline blend.
2: This is not your church's under-trained barista's coffee. No, no, no. It's reliable, delicious, brews well with every home method, and honestly, it just smells great. This isn't your stale, burnt-to-a-crisp grocery store brand dark roast that tastes like it comes from the pits of hell.
0: The Highline blend is properly sourced, roasted to order, and shipped out fresh. Support us by ordering a bag at Shop, or tap the link in the show notes. So to the personal aspect, Josh, you wanted to come around.
1: Yeah, because I, I do really like that question a lot, Emily. Um, so let me think what I want to say about how my soul is doing lately. Yeah, I was having an interesting conversation with a friend the other day who is in in an interesting parallel, like in a similar spot to where I'm at with Christianity, but for him it's Islam. And we had a great conversation the other day about um, just like all sorts of stuff. And it, for me, like walking away from it, I was thinking about like, man, if like if I miss anything about regularly being involved in religion, it's the community aspect. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think like so many people like default to that, even like when their church community isn't the only one or like they recognize that it's not perfect or like it's not as good as it should be or whatever. Like, I think that a lot of people who stop going to church, I think that that is one of the main things that they miss. And just having like the conversation about that, like across like experiences in different religions, it just like really made me like feel the weight of that the other day. and like as much as it is wonderful doing this project and like having a discord of like like-minded people to like talk about our day-to-day life and our experiences with um and our like what we're like currently going through belief-wise like it, that's all wonderful and like having like in-person friends like to your point stephen is wonderful but like there there is something unique i will admit about the gathering of people consistently in one place with like common rituals and somewhat common beliefs. It's very unique. And so I think that, like, as good as I think I am doing overall as a being, like mentally, physically, maybe I should like be a little bit more active, <laughs> uh, like socially, I, th- I think that I like am overall well in my soul, but it, it is really interesting recognizing those moments of like, oh, yeah, like I'm not. I'm not doing that anymore, or like that that thing that I used to do that's so fulfilling. Like, oh, I miss that. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to put my soul into that thing. So hmm. I don't know, and, and I think in a lot of ways it's kind of motivating for me too to like, because I know not everything lasts forever either. Um, like, I think like people love to look back fondly on college, and like for like multitude of reasons. Like for everyone, it's different, and I think it's really easy to like glorify the past in a lot of ways and like mm-hmm. want to like recreate it somehow even if it's like in your current present time but for me i think it's more motivating to think like ahead to the future of like well what else will i do like what else am i going to throw myself into that will be amazing and fun i like that yeah so i feel like i almost feel like uh to to borrow from the season that we're about to jump into i almost feel like i'm in a period of advent i feel like i'm waiting right now i don't know what i'm waiting for and I think that this is the unique thing about, like, soul language is, like, it is hard to pin down how you feel about, like, mm-hmm. things overall. It's very hard to put, like, concrete, tangible language to it. Yeah. But I, I feel like I'm waiting. I feel like something's, like, right around the corner. Thank you for sharing, Josh. Truly. Thank you for asking me.
2: You're welcome. Steven, how is it with your soul?
0: Sorry. I'm just silently grinning to myself. I just, I love that the back half of the episode just becomes this (laughs) is well, I uh, Dixie and I have just gone through another um, period of grief that has taught us a lot. A potential adoption fell through on us. um, So we just kind of had the heartbreak of knowing that that wasn't going to happen and it was surprising, to be honest, it was surprising how similar it felt to um, miscarriage in a pregnancy, mm. which we've experienced too as well um, over the last two years. So we have just kind of gone through a season of just kind of feeling a little wobbly on the bike path, you know, and just trying to not hole up, but try and be... What do I want to say just trying to make sure that we keep enough space for ourselves and not just like run ourselves ragged with other things that would admittedly be much nicer and much easier to use as a distraction Mm -hmm. for us. So it's been a a very intentional time of just like sitting and lighting candles and putting on music and then just like crying for half an hour or something like that. So we've uh, we've gone through the ups and downs inside that. And now we have some new, new things going on in our life. I think right now where I had mentioned earlier that like, it's kind of a season of, uh, it's good and full of effort is like just some wild relationship stuff between Dixie and I, where, you know, we've been together for over 10 years and married over seven years. Yeah. So like she is, headed into a an exploratory surgery in december to potentially diagnose her with endometriosis Mm. which is a i am learning a terribly painful chronic illness where essentially the same cells that line the uterine wall uh grow on the outside of the uterus and they will just like attach to whatever is near big contributing factor to people who have struggled with infertility and uh a cause of like pretty severe chronic pain obviously on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. and even with that being part of the conversation i think what i have learned is like i think i'm finally hitting a phase of my adulthood where i'm like coming to a lot more sympathy and empathy for people with chronic pain and understanding how that actually does change their behavior. Like when you live with chronic pain that long and not in a bad way, I don't want to imply that she's just been like the worst, but like, Oh yeah, this would, this would knock you down for days at a time. And for me, a person who does not suffer from chronic pain, sometimes it could be like, well, can you just rally and help me out with the chores or whatever, you know, which is never helpful. But part of that is I didn't know. And so
1: Mm.
0: as good as it is that i'm learning i'm also having a uh i've kind of entered a mindset of like oh what else do i don't know because i i feel Mm. kind of embarrassed that i haven't been paying attention well enough for over 10 years to know that this could have been a factor you know Mm -hmm. so it's actually become a very fun way for dixie and i to like it it really feels like we're entering marriage 2.0 where we're kind of like relearning each other Cause there was the high school sweethearts, right. That dated and then got married. And now that like I'm late twenties, she's like, she just turned 30 this year. And at this point she doesn't identify as a Christian either. And that was a big part of our dating relationship was going to youth group and church and all, all sorts of fun stuff on the, on the spiritual side of things like camps and all that. That was like big bonding moments. But now what I'm calling marriage 2.0 is like, yeah, we actually don't see things the same way in past. Stephen would have mm-hmm. been, terrified of that like (laughs) that would have not been oof yeah i'm glad where i'm i'm at where i'm at now right um Mm -hmm. so yeah it's like i said it's been effortful but it's been really enriching i think i'm we're just we're both like learning like we're it's it's like we're looking up after quite a few crazy things happening over the last couple years both good and bad right and we're like oh, we're different people now. We should probably mm. figure
1: that out in order to have a good marriage. <laughs> mm. Yeah.
2: Thank you for sharing, Stephen.
1: Emily, how is it with your soul?
2: It is well. Um, it As I briefly mentioned earlier in the episode, there's been a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders as we prepare for our church conference where we basically approve... Our church budget, we approve clergy compensation, and we approve those who are going to take up leadership roles within our congregation serving on different committees. And normally it is like pulling teeth, trying to find people (laughs) to step in and to fill roles on committees. But this year, I don't know if there's something in the water or the Holy Spirit just is lighting people's butts on fire. But we ask people or we just kind of put feelers out for different things. And people have shocked us by saying, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. I'll join. Yes, I will do this. And it's just such a nice relief to see people who want to be involved. And that was the thing was it was like a genuine yes response, not just like this obligatory, okay, I'll do it. You know, because normally when you ask and you hear that response, I feel really shitty. Uh, But when I ask people this year in preparation for 2023 and people with a smile on their face say yes or, oh, that's so that's so kind of you to think of me, you know, that just that puts a smile on my face to see that there's like this livelihood returning that I haven't seen in a while, Um, which is actually quite astonishing because as we know like churches are not the hot place to be like people are not always excited to want to join a committee at a church unless you're my mother um bless her heart and while there's been a weight lifted in the church and in my career i'm able to do more things that i haven't been able to do in my role because i've had to fill gaps of leadership and so my time was taken away from other things that i really like to do but now that's now an opportunity where i can be involved in other things so i've had the opportunity to explore with the police department here in cody about being a volunteer chaplain for the police department which is really exciting i'm really looking forward to that i love chaplaincy it's very near and dear to my heart and also like being a mom, um, not that I've pushed that off or have neglected to be a mother, but sometimes it felt like I had to put Thea kind of on the back burner for some things because I had a job to do and I'm a mother first. I love being a pastor, but I am a mother first. Um, and so it's been nice to see some of the weight being lifted off my shoulders. So now I feel comfortable being able to say I'm going to do this now with my child and I'm going to enjoy it. (laughs) And I'm not going to feel bad that my time is being spent here rather than being in the office or Hmm. missing a meeting. Um, Because Thea is growing up way too fast. Like it's she's 16 months going on 17 months, which means she's just that much closer to being two and she's running around. She's, smiling and giggling at people and she loves to wave and you know she she talks up a storm you have no idea what she's saying but man is she talking um and it just feels like there is so much that i was prepared to miss because i felt i had so many obligations and i forgot that being a mom is not an obligation it's like a passion really And so, I feel well. I feel good knowing that things can be taken care of and I can enjoy time with my giggling, crazy toddler. And to know that she's just as much a part of the church as I am, really. Like, she loves coming to class and she loves coming to meetings and (laughs) she brightens up the room and there's like this livelihood that's like a nice breath of fresh air coming into the room now. It's not just always about meetings and minutes and quotas and conversations and questions, it's conversations. And then you feel the tug of a small child on your shirt and you're distracted for a solid five minutes. So yeah, it just feels good. All is well and getting better.
1: I have a last minute question to pose. Shoot. As much as I think it's wonderful to ask people how their souls are, I feel like it's also good for us to acknowledge the ways in which that like some not all some church communities have weaponized people's information about them against mm-hmm. them. And so maybe we could, what do I want to ask here? I'm curious what you guys think about like, what are safe ways to like check in with people? Like if you like do want to know how they're doing genuinely, but you want to like give them the space to disclose as much or as little as they want to. Mm. Because I had a friend do it to me the other day and he was just like explicit about it. He like asked me a question and then like I started answering and then almost immediately after he was like, and also like say as little or as much as you want to. Like I have no obligation at all. Like don't, don't feel like you have to like say a bunch just to say a bunch. Yeah. And I, I respected that a lot. Like I actually wanted to like keep talking about the subject, but I was like, wow, thank you. I mean, but I can also like recognize how that could be used to manipulate people. So, I mean, there's a line for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or
0: you pose the question on a podcast and then you're all like, well, it's content. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) I would, I would say, I think it's how you ask the question. And I think what your friend said and how he said it matters, because if the tone of voice in which he said that follow up was more like, and don't feel like, you know, it's really okay. If it's, sarcastic or meant to invoke a feeling of guilt Mm. or shame. If you don't share more then that needs to be worked on. But if it's from a genuine place where you're like, how, like, how are you? How is it with your soul? And share as much as you want. Nothing more. If you're, if you are in it to hear it, (laughs) no matter what they say, then just show that and be present about it. And I think also being mindful of where you are, because if you ask that Mm. question and you're around people that, you know, are the gossip people like I love my church dearly. I love them, but I know who the people are that are chatty Cathy's and gossip girls. (laughs) So I know if someone is going through a lot, but I want to check in with them, I'm going to kind of move them away, you know, discreetly away from the gossip girls, because Mm. I'm asking this person. I'm not asking this person to be overheard by these people to then have everything shared around God's green earth. I think timing and space matters. And yes, there might be times that that's unavoidable, but you can at least try. You can have the intention of ensuring that that person feels safe to share.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I don't know if it gets any more simple in my mind than an already existing foundation of mutual trust, I guess. And the reason I say that is because I think there is an aspect of peer pressure that could come along with all of this. Like, could you imagine, Josh, if you and I both talked about like things are well, things are like effortful and things are in a waiting period and all that, but they're well. And then, you know, if we didn't have the relationship with Emily that we did, like all of a sudden she doesn't want to be the person who's like, well, my life is shit. (laughs) yeah totally like this is bad actually like it's it's really easy to go along with it as long as the group doesn't already have some sense of cohesion and just like acknowledgement that the honesty is valued as a group like i think of high school boys only small groups at my church where it was like yes one after another it was just like let's end up just describing what kind of porn we watched this week in an effort to be like over confessional
1: I guess and to show who was the most depraved
0: and then you and then you judge the guy who has nothing to say because you're like oh that must be really fucked up (laughs) (laughs) or like you're doing prayer requests and it's like write the unspoken prayer request. It's like, now everyone's wondering. Dude, I'd never
1: heard of that for the longest time. The only reason I found out about it was because of a YouTube video and they were like making fun of it. And I was like, what the hell is an unspoken prayer?
0: That happened to me all the time in youth group.
1: That's so wild.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of peer pressure and that happens a lot. I think at youth group, it's really easy to do that because, well, Mm -hmm. I guess depending on the youth group, I'll say at a church that's mostly Southern Baptist, but they just don't want to call themselves that uh that is very reformed theology it does really just become like how many sins can you confess to in almost like a a marathon session right
1: which always made me uncomfortable uh you know what's funny about that is like it was that was kind of like a group modern iteration of like the sacrament of confession a bit like yeah like protestants like just don't have like a uniform practice of that and like i feel like that kind of developed as like a protestant form of confession Granted, I yeah. think there's some problems with it. I think but, you're right,
0: but I think I also like the privacy of a one-on-one, but also there's some weird stuff with that, too, when it comes to the Catholic side of things. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Either way, it becomes weird because there's power dynamics there then, too.
1: Yes. Right? Exactly. Like, I think that even in a, I think even in a, quote-unquote, safe, trusted one-on-one setting, there there is a power dynamic in the sharing of information, like even between friends like i i trust you guys and i like i trust to like tell you like what i'm going through and stuff and like in in an odd way i like trust to like have it out there on the public internet as well <laughs> which yeah, is like right uh, which of course like i'm also mindful of sometimes right um uh-huh. but like i think that there is in some ways there's like less of a power dynamic because it's like going out to like lots of people versus like i think in a one-on-one setting it can feel Like, I think it's good for people to remember that, like, we are not, unless you are, you are not somebody's therapist or pastor. And I think we should be careful. Emily is not your pastor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, like, Emily is. But, like, not everybody should, like, act like they just have the, like, the right to ask someone their intimate information and expect them to... Totally. At least be open to sharing that with them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I don't know. I, I try to keep that in mind sometimes as much as I, like... I like to check in with my friends and like know how they're doing on a deep level and like talk about like whatever we need to talk about, like to get through life. And I don't know. I think much with to balance
2: answering the question, there's discernment, you know, because you're asking a very reflective, deep question. So I think there needs to be discernment with the individual who's asking the question. Are you using it for power? Are you? actually intentionally wanting to know how that person's doing are you using it for personal gain because that matters because at the end of the day if you're wanting to try and get something out of someone that is not the question you should ask that's a manipulative mm. question yeah cuz you're toying with people's emotions like you're trying to you're trying to uh-huh. get them entered into a vulnerable space and i think that's why like i commend wesley for asking that question to begin with because mm. he was asking it with the intention of caring for the people in that room and wanted to make sure that people were well and then, then they could continue on with their class or with the sermon or with the meeting or whatever it was. So just be mindful, you know? Be soulful.
1: <laughs> I feel like we owe a shout-out to the movie Soul from Disney. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, the Pixar a great
1: movie. Heck, heck yes.
2: Naps. Yes. Thank you.
0: Also, just want to throw out the term soul food. Mm. That's something. It's so real. It's so real. With as often as the the potluck channel in our Discord is popping off, that is clearly where the soul resides. (laughs) Methodists would definitely agree. Amazing.
1: Emily, thank you for asking the question. I loved it.
2: And thank you for answering.
1: How would you like to close this soulful time, Emily?
2: If it is well with your soul, if it is not well with your soul... We want to know, we want to be here for you. We want to engage in conversation and be on this journey with you. We weren't meant to walk this journey alone. And the next time you ask the question, how are you? Have a listening ear and be ready to see where the conversation goes. It could be life-giving and it could change your world. Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.